Okay, today is um, our final message in this series titled Multiply. Uh, next week, we're, Craig and I are going to start a, a brief series, uh, Things That God Loves and Things That God Hates. Um, so that's just two weeks, so that's what's coming up. Today we're going to talk about sowing and reaping. Now, personally, I love the idea of generosity. Now, honestly, I never was a miserly, penny-pinching individual, uh, even when I was young. I've pretty much all my life respected the Bible and all that it says about giving, um, but I never really latched on to the idea of generosity until recent years. I can't pinpoint the exact time uh, of this change. I can only say that it happened later in my life when I gave uh, attention to the more serious things of life. Those of you who are older, you may understand what I'm talking about. When I was young, I had a different way of looking at things, and as I matured and got older, that changed. Well, I hate the way that many preachers, especially TV evangelists, manipulate and seduce their audiences. Uh, these, I'm going to call them religious clowns, um, with funny hair and pimped out suits and Rolex watches, convince people to give large sums of money to their TV ministries, which basically make them rich. Sowing and reaping are biblical principles, and not only are they biblical, but they apply to all of nature. Today, with integrity and without manipulation, I want to conclude this series, Multiply, talking about these principles of sowing and reaping. Now, our first point is actually going to become a theme throughout the message, and that is what you keep is all you have, what you give, God multiplies. Now, if, if you take what you have and you give it, if you take it and turn it into seed and plant it in good soil, then God can multiply it. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, what is the good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over? Now, when I was a teenager, uh, we used to sing a chorus in camp that was based on this passage of Scripture. To be quite honest with you, I never understood it. I didn't really know what it meant. And for years, I didn't. Until um, later on, I did some research on this. And so Jesus would have been talking to an agrarian uh, society, the majority of whom um, made their living off of uh, what they grew, and they would eat the fruit of the land. Now, if they had anything left over, uh, they would barter it away to get other items that they needed. And so people would have understood that whenever there was a harvest of wheat, um, 
the, the landowners would go uh, to the city and, and they would hire day laborers. These guys would be standing around in the marketplace just waiting for somebody to come along and hire them. And actually that's um, a practice that, that was used even up into uh, the beginning of the 20th century. I remember my grandfather telling me uh, that when he was young, uh, that this would happen down at the hitching yard, um, which is on Cameron Street, and it is where the um, where the parking garage is next to the Kurtz building. And that was the hitching post, and so people bring their horses in and tie them up there, and men who were available to do work would hang around there waiting for somebody to come along and hire them. Well, back in Jesus' day, in that culture, what happened was uh, the farmer would hire you to go out into the fields and carry wheat back from the field to the barn. And so you would have a basket, uh, but a, a full basket may be extremely heavy. And so uh, being the smart people they were, uh, they would carry a half basket full or three quarters of a basket, whatever they were capable of doing, and carry that back and forth on, on their trips. But at the end of the day or the end of the week, a generous landowner uh, would often pay the people in wheat. So he would say, you know, take your basket and fill it up, and that's your pay uh, for working for me. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you think that they took home a half basket of wheat? Three quarters of a basket of wheat. A full basket of wheat. Well, not everybody, but I got more on that one. Okay, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me when I go to McDonald's. I get a soft drink, and so I go over to the machine, and I'll, I'll fill it up. I mean, I fill it up to the brim. And so I put the lid on, and when I go to put the straw in, it comes up around the, the hole where the straw is. And uh, by the time I take it out to the car and put it in the console of my car, it starts building up in the straw. I mean, you know, it's carbonated drink, so it builds up in the straw. And so I've even had it run over, run out the straw because it, well, that's, that's I get my money's worth. You know, I, just, I put everything in that cup that I can possibly get in that cup. Well, that's the way these people were uh, when they were paid in wheat. So uh, they, they understood what Jesus meant uh, with what he said in verse 38 of Luke chapter 6. Now that's how God will pour into your cup if you are faithful, giving to him and giving to others who have need. The prosperity or health and wealth gospel, as it's also called, is a very popular teaching today, and many people are fooled by it. The prosperity gospel basically says that if you give in sufficient faith, that you're going to get a Rolex watch. You're going to get a Rolls Royce. You're going to become a rich person. God will make you rich. Well, let's settle this issue once and for all. The prosperity gospel is false teaching. 
is not consistent with the Word of God. It's not what the Word of God teaches. However, biblical teaching does teach that what you give, God does multiply. Now, there's a flip side of this teaching. Uh, It's not quite as popular, but it's called the, the poverty gospel. And so the poverty gospel teaches that if you have anything at all, if you have any possessions, that you are unrighteous, you are wicked. Well, that's not right either. But it is the condition of your heart that makes you righteous or unrighteous, not what you possess. Okay? The condition of your heart. Wealth or money is neutral. The Bible says it's wrong to love money, uh, but not to have money. God gives wealth. That's where it comes from. There's such a thing as the wealthy, righteous, who are faithful, generous, and godly. And there are unwealthy righteous, just as there are righteous poor and unrighteous poor. If you live according to God's principles, then you save, invest, and give. The Bible says that if you're faithful with a little, that God will give you much. If you are a good steward, God will give you more seed to sow so that you can do more righteous things. Now, remember, here's this principle again. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God will multiply. Now, one of the principles of sowing and reaping is that you reap what you sow. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. If you plant a seed in good ground, then you're going to get a harvest from that seed. If you sow seed of unrighteousness, uh, then you will reap wicked responses. The consequences are going to be wicked. If you sow corn seed, you will not get spinach. You will get corn. That's a law of nature. If you smile at someone, chances are you'll get a smile back. If you offer forgiveness, people will likely forgive you. If you treat your spouse with love and respect, that's how your spouse will treat you. Now, guys, I have a special message to you. If you give your wife a hard time, she will multiply it and give you a type of living hell. Do I have any amens? Am I the only one that's experienced this? All right, I'll pay for that when I get home. Okay, but remember, the principle is what you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. You reap what you sow. When you plant a seed in good ground, you will reap more than you sow. Matthew 19, verse 29, Jesus says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake 
will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So you see, if you lay down your life for Christ, uh, you will receive far more than what you have given up. Jesus talked about this principle in Matthew chapter 13. He told the story of a sower uh, sowing seed. Uh, This sower was broadcasting seed. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with that expression or not. My grandfather used to use that uh, all the time to, you know, talk about like when you sow grass seed, uh, broadcasting, you know, as opposed to plant, actually planting seed uh, in, in a row. So he was, this, this farmer was broadcasting uh, seed that fell in different kinds of soil. Some seed returned 30-fold, some 60-fold, And those planted in really good soil returned 100-fold. That is 100 seed for every seed you planted. That's an exceptionally good harvest. So you reap what you sow, and you will reap more than you sow. Now let's talk about three giving truths that will totally transform your life. Number one, your heart matters when you give. It's, it's not just going through an exercise of taking money out of your billfold and putting it in the offering. It's not just that, that exercise. Your heart matters when you give. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, that's not rocket science. You know, you would have thought people could pretty much figure that out, uh, but, you know, people are kind of stubborn, and some of them don't learn very well. Uh, and he, he goes on to say, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Okay, so you determine before you come in on Sunday what you are going to give not reluctantly or under compulsion if you feel pressure, if you really don't want to give and you're feeling pressure, then I think this passage is saying you should not give because God has difficulty blessing that which is given reluctantly, that which is given under pressure. And then he says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, so the more seed you plant, the better the harvest will be. Now that just makes sense. The Greek word for cheerful, for God loves a cheerful giver, is where we get our word hilarious from. You probably didn't know that. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) You need to become a ha, ha, ha giver. Okay, a hilarious giver, a cheerful giver. Uh, A mom was trying to teach her daughter the principles of giving, and she said to her, sweetheart, um, here's a $5 bill and a $1 bill. One of them is for you, and one of them is for God. When the offering plate comes by, I want you to put one of them in, and you decide which one. And so the offering plate came by, 
And a little girl took her five and took her one, and she looked at them and looked at them and looked at them. She was wrestling with the decision. Finally, she took the $1 bill and put it in the offering plate, keeping the five for herself. So afterward, her mom said, I'm so glad that you gave to God. I'm proud of you. But why did you give the one and keep the five? The little girl said, Well, Mom, the pastor said that God loves a cheerful giver. And I figured I'd be much more cheerful if I kept the five for myself. Now, that's not just a child's reasoning there. I think that's our reasoning as well. Uh, And I think most people look at giving that way. They are happier keeping more for themselves. They do not understand the principle of giving that what you keep is all that you have. But what you give, God will multiply. Keep giving, and eventually you will love it. Uh, Your heart will follow your actions. Now you may question that statement. You may say, Larry Beach doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, But I guarantee it that this will happen to you. And so here's what's going to happen. I'm just predicting in the future this is what's going to happen if you follow this teaching. Uh, You you won't stop at giving 10%. You'll give 20%. You'll give 30, maybe 40, maybe even more. Um, You know, up front, I think none of us likes to give. Uh, And that's because we're born very self-centered individuals. You can see it in babies. You can see it all the time. And, and you know, we, we, we hang on to a lot of that uh, through life. Uh, but we're self-centered. We want it all for ourselves. But uh, as you grow and mature and you, you learn things, especially if you learn the principles of God, uh, you learn to become fanatically good managers, and some of you are, which leads you to become debt-free, uh, living off less, and giving extravagantly more to God and other people who have needs. The heart, you see, matters. If you give and give and give and give, eventually you will love giving. Here's our principle again. Remember, whatever you keep, is all you have. Whatever you give, God multiplies. And here's another principle, another truth. You cannot outgive God. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verses eight through ten, Paul writes again, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, folks, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, How does God scatter abroad? his gifts 
to the poor. He does that through us. He doesn't, you know, reach down from heaven and, you know, just saturate their lives uh, with, with blessings. He works through us. Notice he says, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Helping the poor is a good work. We don't do without when we bless others. Notice the text further says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now I want you to notice we're not getting back in kind. We're getting much more. You're getting better than you gave. You're getting an enlargement of the harvest of your righteousness. And listen to me. Righteousness trumps money all the time. What you keep is all that you have. But what you give he, that is God, will multiply. God will see to it that you have more seed to give. That's his blessing. That's his promise. But notice, it is not that he's going to make you monetarily rich. He is going to make you more like himself. You are going to become more like God. That's really our objective in life. Now, probably as a, a young kid, you learned uh, John 3.16. Uh, you've known it for years and years. At, but I don't think we look at it in such a way that we, that we glean everything that the passage teaches us. Let's look. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now I want you to notice that love is what motivated his giving. And love needs to motivate our giving. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So, when we were powerless to save ourselves, God, uh, through the sacrifice of Jesus, reached down uh, to save us. And so, you, you cannot outgive God. It's like getting compound interest. But what we have is compounding joy, compounding peace, compounding fulfillment, and compounding influence because we planted seed and God increased the harvest of righteousness. Therefore, you cannot outgive God. And here's the third truth people will thank God. Because of what you give. Now, I've noticed that in Scripture for a long time. And if you pay attention, you will notice this in your life. Uh, we're going to read verse 11. We read 8 through 10, but look, listen to verse 11. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. You understand that? If you're generous, God's going to give you more so that you can continue to be generous. That's just, that's his promise. That's, that's God's way. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. 
when you give to others, God will not only bless you financially, God will bless your marriage, He will bless your children, and He'll bless your generations which are to come. Now, isn't that better than blowing it on yourself? Taking life easy, sitting back, and being selfish? So, people in the community and even around the world are thanking God for your generosity. 